Join me in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great mercies. Thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. Thank you that you did not consider the glories of heaven that you be grasped, but that you came. You sought us, even while we were yet sinners. Father, thank you that you have entrusted us with the same task, going out, being a light in the darkness, taking the gospel, being an incarnation of the gospel around the world. Father, I pray that during our seminar today, you would have some insight into how we can best establish and maintain missionary partnerships that would accomplish great and glorious things for you, for your kingdom, that you would use our meager offerings to bring about great glory for Christ, that his name would go out. Father, pray you would guide and direct us, that you would help us all be more equipped to be faithful, to delight in you and honor you above all things. Lord, we ask all of these things for the glory of your Son, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. I thank you for being here, uh, and let me uh, just say, uh, as we get started, I think all of you know, but officially I'm supposed to introduce myself. Hi, I'm Pastor David, I'm a community life pastor here at Maranatha, and uh, with us, um, Nate and Lauren Bell, ABWB missionaries to South Africa, you heard Nate share, well, they have shared recently here. And then last night as well, and Nate and Lauren have been missionaries for five years ish, and uh, they are one of the missionary families that our church supports. And so we've invited them to be here uh, so you can get their, their first hand feedback on what we're going to talk about today. And as we get started, just a little bit of background information. Um, over the last five years, uh, as I have been on staff here, we've asked a lot of questions regarding um, missions and mission support. Um, you, you may or may not know this, but there have been weeks that I have gotten six, eight, nine, ten missionaries requesting that our church support them. And as you are definitely aware, there is a limit to what we can do. And there's a limit um, as far as both finances and, and then other resources we have as well and support. And thinking about those things and then looking at some of the challenges we've faced with some of the missionaries we've supported, um, and, and I'm not implying that it was in any way the struggles that we faced were those missionaries' struggles, but I think a lot of it was us trying to decide and to be intentional about how are we going to partner with the missionaries we're supporting. And as a result of that, the missions committee, and if you're on the missions committee, would you raise your hand just you know, since you're here? Uh, the missions committee has, uh, this is not all of them, but a good number of them, spent this past year working on a philosophy of missions. And I would encourage you, the book that you got last night, hopefully everyone got one. If you didn't uh, get one, feel free to, to pick one up. But I would encourage you to read this. This has been very instrumental for us on the missions committee as we have worked through writing this philosophy of missions that you have in your hands today. So I'd encourage you, it is worth reading. Um, and, you know, it's a small book as far as books go, right? So you can you can do it. I believe in you. Um, and so, as the the main thing we're going to do in the next hour, give or take a little bit, is we are going to walk through this document, okay? And we're going to uh, take a look at each of the three sections. But let me begin by reading to you from Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and if you want to follow along, I'm going to read verses 3 through 11, Philippians 1. 3 through 11, and Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, who was one of his supporting churches. And Paul writes in Philippians 1, verses 3 through 11, and says, I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy 
because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. And I want to start by reading this passage because I would like to point out just a couple of things and then uh, encourage you that I would hope all of the missionaries we support would be able to feel this way about us, right? Do you notice what Paul says? The first thing he says is that I thank my God in all my remembrances of you. There's a thankfulness for his, his support that he's received, the, the partnership. He talks about in uh, verse 4 that always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, Right? There's this joyfulness in his heart. He also talks about in verse 7, that I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. And then in verse 8, he says, I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. In all of this, again, we see Paul say is primarily to the glory and the praise of God. And so I would like to say our goal as a church is to be the kind of supporting and sending church that elicits this response from the missionaries we support. That those missionaries would be able to say these same types of things about us. And so in in us looking to, to implement this mission's philosophy, that's the end goal, that we would have this kind of intimate relationship, but ultimately that it would result in the glory and praise of God, both here and around the world. So that's the goal in what we're talking about. Now, the process, again, we're going to talk through this, and I think all of you know this, but let me just point it out. If you look at the colorful side, you'll notice that in each section, you'll find one of our four B's, bow, build, bless, and belong. And hopefully these are not new to you. If they are, then I'm very sad. But uh, it, when when we talk about the priorities of our church, these are the four words and the four areas that we're talking about now. And if you were to stay on the colorful side, you would find in each of these areas, we're talking about uh, each what's expected of members, of missionaries, and of the missionaries' ministry in each of those areas, okay? But we are going to look at the white side of it, and what you'll find is we've taken all those statements and placed them together depending on who we're talking about. So for our members, and so the gray, the the maroon, the mustard, and the green, uh, you know, that those colors co- correspond with the four Bs, okay? And so we're going to start by just working through this first section on our members. And, and for us as the missions committee, one of the first things that we talked about in thinking through this is what should be true of us, what If we're going to be good partners, if we are going to establish and maintain these kind of missionary partnerships, what should be true about us? And so looking just at these four statements here in our member section and recognize, since all of you are all from here, recognize this is what we are calling you to, right? This is, this is what we are calling our church to do and the members of our church to be. Okay, so the first one, look at this with me. It says, in response to God's redeeming love for us, our love for God and love for the world will overflow in a zeal for missions at home and abroad. We will offer ourselves as living sacrifices to advance the glory of God around the world. 
And, and so first and foremost, talking in this area of worship, we want to try and take every opportunity that we can to fan the flames of love that we have for God and for the gospel and for the world. And that's, that needs to be our priority, right? Even as we heard last night, Dr. Kimball talk about the fact that ultimately worship is an ultimate thing, right? God's, God is ultimate. Missions will not last. And so even as we come to this philosophy of missions, our first priority is to be nurturing a worshipful heart in our own lives, in our own church, making much of the glory of God, taking time to soak in the truths of the gospel daily. We need to be rehearsing them ourselves. We need to be applying them to each other. We need to continue to to have these gospel truths resonating in our lives and in our church body. I would also say that uh, as we look at creating this sense of uh, a heart of worship, that we need to find ways in all of our ministry areas to continue to focus on the area of worship, right? And, and we talk about worship, and it's easy for us to, to make the misconnection of thinking we're only talking about what happens in the worship center on Sunday mornings from 11 to 12, Okay. But but really, worship should invade or pervade every area of our church's ministries, whether that's in our nursery classes or we worship, whether it's with our children, whether it's in our Bible studies, that there should be a heart of worship in our connect groups that as we come together, we're trying to find ways to nurture this passion for the worship of Christ in all that we do. Because if that's not happening, then it really doesn't matter what else we're doing. We might be getting smarter, but if it's not flowing out in worship to the Most High God, then we haven't met that goal. So one of the foundational statements for us in the mission's philosophy is that we will nurture this kind of response to the redeeming love that we've received from God. Second, the next statement uh, and regarding discipleship or the build quadrant, it says, we commit to grow personally and as a body in Christ likeness in submission to God's word. We serve his people by equipping them for ministry. And so the second area that, that we as a church need to be committed to is this area of discipleship. And, and let me just encourage you that begins by us each being committed and taking personal responsibility to be growing in Christ's likeness. That, that we have to be responsible for that in our own lives. We can't come to church hoping that someone's going to make us more like Jesus or that we're going to join a Bible study or a program or something that's going to make us more like Jesus. Right? We have to be intentionally pursuing this daily, looking for opportunities to continue to grow, walking intimately with Jesus, trying to find ways to uh, find those that can be a part of that process, even in our own lives, whether that's as mentors or, you know, again, as Paul's or Timothy's or even just as our, our, our friends, right? And so we have to take that responsibility ourselves, but not just are we committed to growing ourselves, but we have to be committed to helping each other grow. That our thinking about discipleship has to be multiplying, that we have to make time to pour into each other's lives. You know, one of the phrases that you you may have heard in us talking about our fellowship time here at the church is we want to, to standardize gospel conversations. We want it to be normal for you guys to talk about Jesus with each other here, whether it's here with us or the people that God brings into your life, your families, your communities, your workplaces. But not only are we committed to becoming like Christ, but multiplying that effect into the lives of others, right? We're seeking to live missionally, to think missionally ourselves. And if you remember, and you can see this if you, if you flip it over, the, the statement for the build quadrant is leading every person one step closer to Jesus. And that's really the heart of it. Right, Whatever we're doing, we have this awareness that we have to not only pursue Christ's likeness intentionally ourselves, 
But we have to be looking to bring each other along in that. Okay, the third area. Regarding evangelism, the the third yellow, orangish colored statement. It says this, treasuring the mercy of Jesus, we will live, love, and give sacrificially in order to bless the nations by taking the gospel to the ends of the earth so that our king receives the fullness of the worship he deserves. Okay. And so as believers, the next step for us is we must be passionate about seeing Christ exalted. We must care about Jesus being exalted in our lives enough that we are willing to live and to love and to give sacrificially so that he can be exalted in the lives of others. And we can't, uh, I guess we can, we ought not treat church like a country club. Right? This isn't a place that we come so that we can feel better, so that we can get comfort, so we can have friends, so we can be encouraged. Right? We want to have the mindset that this is a military base, that we come together to be trained, to go out. And, and last night, Dr. Kimball talked about the gathering for the scattering. And here we, we talk about we, we come and we are equipped for the going. Right, We gather for the going. And it's that mindset that because we have experienced this love, we have this desire for everyone to experience it. We recognize that they would be better off experiencing the love of Christ. But even our greatest desire in seeing the gospel go out is not so other people have a better life. But it's so that Jesus gets the worship he deserves. That he died to obtain And so even in that, as much as we love people and we want them to be saved, we desire it most of all so that Christ will be exalted. And we must nurture that kind of living in our own lives. And not only that, but it also involves us continuing to reflect on the lostness around us. You know, it gets very easy. I I know that it does for me. You guys don't have the same life that I have, but I suspect it might be true of you too but it gets very easy to forget about all the people that are just beyond my realm right and and for me so much of my time is spent with you right and 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 and, you know dealing dealing with the church it's easy to forget the lostness that's around us but we need to continue to to prayerfully ask the holy spirit to show those in our lives that we're having connections with that need to hear the gospel, that need to come to know the love of Christ. And so nurturing that lostness in our own lives so that we're willing and we're aware of ways that we can live and love and give sacrificially so the gospel can continue to go out. Okay, the fourth thing, the green line uh, regarding the unity in the body of Christ. It says, we commit to know and be known by our missionary team as we labor together for the glory of God. We will be a joy to our missionaries through partnership that includes prayer, encouragement, and holistic care. And I would say, if there's one line in this philosophy of missions that I would consider most transformational, it's this line. And I don't mind telling you that Miss Linda is the one that came up with it. So... um, This idea of us committing to know and be known by our missionaries. And let me just encourage you to think about that, okay? It will require some fundamental changes in how we as a church are supporting our missionaries. Historically, our church has been committed to support as many missionaries as we could and has done an excellent job of supporting them. But the challenge in it is the more missionaries support, the more missionaries we support, the less we can support them with, right? Because we have a limited number of resources. And and so for many years, at least the years that I've been here, you could ask some other people if it's true before then, when we started a missionary support, it was $100 or $150 a month, okay? Now, let's just do the math, 
I would say the average missionary family has a need of around $10,000 a month. That's what's required in general to support them on the field with all of the, the expenses that they're, they're, they happen to have. And so when we begin supporting a missionary at $150 a month, what is that percentage that we're meeting that need? Math major. 1.5%. Way to, way to go, Caleb. Good job. 1.5%. Now, I don't know if you're aware that's not much, right? And, and so let me just tell you this. I, I had lunch not very long ago with a missionary that our church is not supporting presently. Um, but we were talking about support and we were talking about this document and, and making some changes as a church. And I was explaining to him, one of our goals is to reduce the number of missionaries that we're supporting so that we can support them more deeply. And I was asking for his feedback on that. And he said, you know, I, I know that this sounds bad and I hate that it's true. But the truth is I have a limited amount of time to invest in my supporters. And when it comes down to it, if I have to decide between investing a lot of time in building relationships with a church that's giving me 1.5% or a church that's giving me 10 or 20%, I just have to, I have to spend the time on those churches and those relationships. And, and you can appreciate that, right? I mean, the truth is you probably don't spend a lot of time thinking about how you spend 1.5% of whatever money God entrusts to you. It's probably doesn't even blip on your radar. You know, because you recognize that there are bigger things. If you're spending a lot of money buying something large, then you spend more time praying about it, thinking about it. It's that same balance, even for our missionaries. And so as a result of wanting to know and be known by our missionaries, it it causes us to begin to reduce the number of missionaries we're supporting. But with the goal of being able to have more impactful support and relationships with them. The truth is my my desire would be that everyone in our church would know who our missionaries are. Know what's happening. Know how to be praying for them. Know how to be connecting with them and trying to connect with them personally. And we're going to talk more about that. If you haven't committed to a next step groups on Sunday, here's my advertisement for why you should come to mine. Because we're going to talk about some very practical ways of how we can know and be known by our missionaries. And uh, there will be free gifts. I mean, it's a bookmark. Don't get your hopes up. But that will be an E100 Sunday morning. And, and so let me just encourage you, come and hear about some more practical ways we can, be know, we can know and be known by our missionaries. Okay, so this first section... Um, for our members, what we're calling you guys to, okay? Read through that, get a feeling for it. I want to just take a few minutes and, and ask the bells to, to respond. Um, what, as missionaries, how does it sound to have a supporting church that is, is doing these things, is passionately in love with Jesus, the gospel, the lost, that's committed to growing in Christ's likeness through walking intimately with Jesus? That's obeying his word, teaching others to do the same. It's letting the desire for Christ to be exalted, order everything in their lives, how they spend their time, energy, money, intentionally seeking to live sacrificially in order to engage the lost with the good news of Jesus while taking the time to pray for you and your family, doing things that encourage you and your ministry, connecting with you and finding ways to care for you and for your family's emotional, physical, and spiritual needs. That's the summary. If you guys missed any of it before then, I can get you that. That sounds really good. Did you turn it on? Yes. Okay, great. Um, as we've been talking about this and preparing for this session, as and I, and I have to, I have to humble myself because I think uh, Pastor David is far more capable of answering what this is like with his much more expansive missionary experience than our, you know, five. And we're learning this for the first time. This is. This is our reflections on our first time. That said, um, we've gone through a lot in this first term. 
And as we read through these things and we talk about, you know, a a member understanding their place, uh, I, I brought up this conversation with him in that it's our desire as missionaries that we would be considered and treated like members of your church. Whether we are not necessarily maybe sent out from your church, but as missionaries and, you know, quote unquote, members of the invisible church Mm. um, and in really in another sense, you know, arms or body parts of your own church, Mm. we need all the same care and shepherding that Mm. each of the other body parts need too. Mm. And, uh, and how many times, you know, we have felt, um, Passing thoughts, not to say that these are the correct thoughts that we should have, but there's different expectations, different cultural dynamics Mm. to being a missionary, being on the field. Um, The Mm. first difficult aspect of that is um, you're amputated from your body. That was the first weird dynamic we faced where we knew our part in our role in our local church at Memorial Baptist, and then we're severed from that. And I don't know if anyone here has experienced an amp- like a legitimate amputation, mm. but from my understanding, it's really uncomfortable. And in this spiritual sense, it's really uncomfortable mm. to be to be dismembered from your body, to be placed into another. And so we're we're finding a place in the local church in South Africa, and we don't know what our role is yet there. Mm. Um, And we're searching, we're trying to to be known and and know others. Mm. But then there's some other weird cultural dynamics where, at Mm. least in the case of South Africa, um, there's a certain understanding of uh, leadership dynamics where there's a great distance, Mm. traditionally speaking, in the church between their leaders and their people. The Dominee and the Dutch Reformed Church, and you Mm. can think about sort of the hierarchy in the Catholic Church, it's quite similar to that. They don't have relationships with the people. Mm. So even as we are trying to make ourselves known that we can be a functioning part of this body and also be blessed by the gifts of the rest of the body because, you know, we experience death and tragedy in our family and we're away from our family and we're looking for some support and consolation and and all of those normal things happen that you experience in your life. Um, But you perhaps maybe know how to care better and love and comfort your own family that you can be physically present with along Mm. with those that you have the same cultural understanding and expectation with, those are all different. We're adapting. We're learning those things. Um, On top of that fact, in our case, we were regularly hearing, we've never had relationships like this with our pastor before. Mm. And it took a long time before people would invite us into the house because that's not what they do. Pastors don't come and, and dine with and just open up the word with and answer questions from the Bible with because they're way up here and we're way down here. And so that took a whole, a whole lot of time yeah. to kind of break down and addressing some of these other things. So um, there's that discomfort and weirdness, this crossing mm. thoughts of where, where do we go mm. when we need shepherded and cared for? Where do we go? The people expect we have it all together. So, a, you know, a thought kind of passes that like, oh, do we show them this? Mm. And again, I'm not saying these are all the right thoughts. These are just thoughts that come. Right. Do we show them our weaknesses? Do we, do we cry out and how desperate we are for mm. someone to check in and ask us, how are we doing mm. while we continue to counsel and guide people through all of those same life experiences that we're going through? Yeah. But we don't always have someone mm. asking us those things. And, and we don't have maybe the type of a relationship uh, that you get to enjoy where you can pop in, Lord willing, into your pastor's office or pick up the phone and you mm. can call him and you can set up a meeting and you can sit there and you can, you can have a shoulder to cry on if you need that. Mm. Or you can have someone to open up the word for you and feed you when you need fed, mm. when you need those reminders. So you have all of that. And then you get to c- confront uh, sins in the church, cultural mm. norms and dynamics, but you're the only one speaking against it because mm. they say this is, this is how it's always been. And so you're the only one that has a different perspective of what's happening there. And you need the encouragement and the reminder sometimes mm. that that's right. Keep fighting that battle even though nobody else over there gets it yet. Mm. That is sin. That's idolatry. 
but we don't always have the same kind of affirmations and encouragements because we're using different languages. There's mm. all these all these different sort of cultural effects. Add on top of that, just for us specifically, and this yeah. is the last thing I'll say. That's okay. Um, the, in the Lord's providence for us, mm. our pastor and my best friend and partner in the ministry failed morally and disqualified himself. Mm. And so while we're learning all of that stuff, not to mention 2020 and trying to figure out, you know, kind of going back yeah. to exactly what is the church? <laughs> and, I, and that's the question we're trying to a- answer just for our cultural mm. context within South Africa. And what does this whole thing look like and how does this work? Mm. These are really basic church membership questions, but, but also from the weird dynamic of, okay, you know, we were here and we remember that church and this is what our role was and this is how we serve them. And then, and then now we're over here and we're kind of like, you're part of us, but you're also kind of not part of us. Mm. Um, and so we're in this weird no man's land yeah. trying to discern where, where we operate and fit mm. in the invisible body of Christ, right. let alone in our own local expression of that in our church. And then these kinds of things happen. Mm. And, you know, the, the, the whole ministry of the church is thrust upon us. Mm. And I haven't figured out some of those other basic questions yet. And now these people need fed. They mm. need led. They need taught. And now I'm even more desperate mm. for pastors to speak into my life. This is my, in, in my personal context, this is my first um, Full-time pastoral ministry, and this is how it all began. Um, add to that after that, but, you know, one of my first disciples mm. had the pleasure to, to, to marry this couple, and out of the blue, he abandons his wife. Ghosted, like nothing I've ever heard before. Just disappears. Mm. And I'm, I, I have to think, man, am I the problem? Hmm. My first best friend disqualified himself from ministry. My next best friend and disciple, which there, there seemed to be such fruit and thirst for the word, has now abandoned his wife. And I'm mean, like, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? I don't remember exactly what I was supposed to answer. You know what? Um, <laughs> you're, you're doing great. Right. The, the, I'm going to sit down. Okay. <laughs> help us understand, right, the context of what it's like for the missionaries we're supporting and all the things that are going on in their lives that are so removed from what you can even imagine. The, the challenges and the struggles, and it's not that you guys don't have challenges and struggles, but you know how your life works with those challenges and struggles, Right? You still know where Starbucks is, or you still know where the light switches are, or whether or not you can plug something into an outlet, or, you know, it's just there's so much stability that we take for granted when everything is stripped away and you're left so vulnerable. And, you know, so the, the question in, in all of that is why is it important for us to do these things? And it's because only if we are healthy, if we as the members of our church are pursuing worshiping God, pursuing discipling others, pursuing taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, pursuing building these relationships with each other and with our missionaries, are we able to come alongside them in the midst of that challenge and and encourage them? Sometimes, and I know, I'm sure this has happened, brother, because I know God's faithfulness. But in the midst of all that, you would occasionally get an email or a phone call or a text from somebody saying, hey, you know what, I just was praying for you today. Or, you know what, God just blessed me in this way. I just wanted to let you know. And I'm confident in those moments, it was like, okay, just like barely getting your head above water and getting another gasp of air. And then, okay, we can just tread water a little bit longer, right? And and that we have to be these kind of people to be able to support our missionaries in the things that they're going through. And so that's step one, what you guys need to do. And if you want practical examples, Sunday, 9 o'clock, E100, okay, come. And I encourage you, all the other ones will be good, but mine will be better. So come to that one. <laughs> 
Is this on camera? Could you edit that part out, please? Thanks. Okay. Uh, let's talk about this area for missionaries. So the second step in the process for us as a church was to ask the question, with the limited amount of money and people and resources that we have, even just the relational capital to invest in missions, we want to be very particular about what type of missionaries we're going to commit to as partners. Or, or in other words, what needs to be true about the missionaries we want to partner with? And then we have these four statements, and let's just look through these. They're, they're pretty self-explanatory. The first, regarding worship. We're looking for missionaries that are driven by love for God. They will consistently display a heart of personal worship, a passion for the body of Christ, and a delight in gospel witness. They will manifest a devotion to the word and a dependence on the indwelling spirit and a dedication to missional living. And again, I, I think that's all relatively self-explanatory, but, but basically we're calling them to the same thing we're calling ourselves to. That we want to have this kind of worshipful heart that's evident in all of these other areas. And we're looking for that in the lives of those that we're going to partner with, those that we want to send, those that we want to support. Regarding discipleship, it says they consistently nurture others through ongoing life-on-life relationships in both formal and informal environments, moving them towards spiritual maturity and effectiveness in the Christian life. And again, it's the same thing that we're, we're calling ourselves to, right? We want to see in our own lives, we've called you to this in the process of neighboring or discipleship, this, this commitment to life on life discipleship, working with each other, walking with each other, being intimate with each other. And we want to have partners that are doing the same thing, whether that's in formal environments like this, this is a formal environment, or informal environments where they're just showing hospitality. They're inviting people into their lives, into their homes. And again, it's the same thing that we've called you to regarding evangelism. We're looking for missionary partners that make the gospel visible by embodying the compassion of Christ, actively pouring out their lives, they refresh the world by meeting the spiritual and physical needs of hurting people. And again, this, this desire is the same thing that we've talked about here. It's not just about talking about Jesus. It's about living in a way so that the people around us see Jesus. So when we share with them the gospel in word, they've already seen it lived before their eyes. There's an integrity, a care for them as people. Right? That's the blessed part of our, our, our blessed quadrant. Right? We pray, we listen, we eat. We serve and then we share. It's that same picture for the missionaries as well. Then regarding unity in the body of Christ, they exemplify a spirit of partnership by functioning as a team player, accountable to their sending and supporting churches, their mission agency, as well as pastors and leaders on the field. They equip and entrust indigenous leaders to oversee the ministry. And again, I would say this area is, is an area that you would assume is true most of the time. But so often missionaries go out and they get out there and they're just like lone rangers. We want to look for people that want to be partners, that want to walk with us, that we can walk together with. They're looking for accountability. They're looking for their supporting and sending churches to be intimately involved with their work. It's the whole other side of knowing and being known. And, and so you know, just looking at these characteristics for our missionaries, Nate and Lauren, do you have any feedback on these expectations for our missionary partners? And in what ways would it have helped you to have a supporting church that's clear about these expectations from the beginning? Anything you want to say? You can just make up stuff. It's okay. okay. Um, yeah, sorry. Bringing that, bringing that back around from the last one. Um, I generally feel in many ways like I'm failing. So mm. having expectations helps affirm mm. if I'm failing. 
Um, Amen. Yeah. No, just being clear, you know, and the, the point I was trying to make before, before the, you know, was before the rambling, um, was what I love about this is that uh, the church members, obviously the goal is to see them be, be healthy and growing. Mm. That they love Christ, they're growing in Christ, that mm. that growth grows into overflowing and going to the nations. Mm. Um, and so the expectations for missionaries essentially oughtn't be any different. Mm. So again, we're going back to just what does it mean to be a member of the church? Mm. Um, is that they're, they're mature, healthy, and consistently fruitful mm. church members. Um, so right. for me, I love that expectation. And obviously, if that's the goal and our mem- you know, members are grabbing that, Lord willing, that's going to overflow even further mm. into people being sent out. But members recognizing the need that missionaries have, even if the Lord doesn't call them to the field. Mm. Um, in, in addition to, um, I'm trying to forget how this connected in here. But as we, you know, you recognize the need of your members, and, and this mm. is something, it's helpful. Accountability is good. I need to be asked, how am I doing leading my wife? Mm. How am I doing leading my family? Those are my first two and greatest ministries, mm. and then everything else. Mm. And it's easy to be over there to perhaps have uh, wildly unrealistic expectations from some. That's right. That we have reports people want to know how many salvations and how many baptisms and you know this and this and this and this you know how many folks have you trained for the ministry and you yeah, have been there this could be a mess you've been there three weeks i mean haven't you <laughs> right things could be a mess at home right what good is all of that right yeah, if, that's right. if, if we're not being faithful mm. to our priority ministries that's right. and um it's always been helpful when we've mm. had conversations with with pastors and others who get this that are checking in on those things, not just these things and the productivity and how much fruit you've produced in these ministries, but how's your marriage? Mm. And because of what I kind of just threw up there, do you have healthy friendships Mm. there physically present? It's always a blessing to have Mm. the conversations. And yes, we get those and we get random emails that are encouraging that mm. someone's thinking about us. We know we're being prayed for mm. and we know that the Lord answers those things that he knows all of those things. And those are all, yes, mm. gasps of air uh, when you're, when you're drowning in some of this stuff or feel like it, um, the reminders of God's sovereignty, but the need to, once you've crumbled down a lot mm. of that other cultural stuff, when you can build a genuinely healthy mutually encouraging, sharpening relationships with nationals Mm. because they can be there to do that. And that takes a whole lot more work. That's right. But it's the benefit of having a brother or a sister there that you can have these conversations Mm. with and not just be gasping for air every Mm. time a phone call comes or you finally establish it because of the time difference. You get, you know, make these meetings happen (laughs) because you need to, you need it. Um, but to build into those things, Mm. um, those are just aspects of again a mm. growing and fruitful members seek out all of those things. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Nate. Yeah, and I, just a, a comment on on Nate's statement about um, always feeling like you're failing, and I, I mean I, I can tell you that is definitely true. I, I can tell you that was true for our life. It, it's because the task is so great. Right? It's so big. I mean, you have to go out and share the gospel, get people to get saved. Then you have to teach them to follow Jesus and obey all that he's commanded. And then you have to make sure that everything's okay at home. And then you have to make sure that you're learning language. And, I mean, at least they speak English some, right? Right. I know. Uh, you know. And you, then you do. You have that, that one person that is your joy and your delight. And then all of a sudden they, like, jump ship. And you're like, never mind. I want to kill myself. You know, and I know it sounds like it is so, so melodramatic, which I am melodramatic. So that is probably why it sounds that way. But the the waves sometime are just so hard that that I agree, at least having some expectations that are communicated that you can come back to and go, okay, yeah, I'm worshiping. I'm worshiping and, and I'm being led by the spirit. And I'm, I'm building life on life relationships and, and check these things off to be able to go, 
okay, everything might feel like it's chaos, but, but I'm doing these things that are the healthy things to be doing. So let God deal with the consequences or the results and, and try to keep moving forward. So absolutely. I hadn't thought about feeling like a failure all the time until you said it, but then it was like PTSD. So, okay. Last, last section. What is it that we, we want to see happening in our missionaries ministries, right? And, and us being effective uh, partners and, and having these kind of effective relationships in another way you can look at it is what are the philosophies of ministry that we feel like are essential for us to have in common, right? It's again, it's not, this is what we think the missionaries need to be doing. It's that we want to have an alignment on these philosophies of ministry. And so let's look at these, at these four things. Okay. Um, Regarding worship, they establish and strengthen churches that magnify the glory of God among the nations by multiplying communities who lead others to exalt Christ until he returns. So they're worshiping, but they're also working to build worshiping communities that are multiplying, right? The the process of being a disciple, as we're teaching new disciples, we can't forget the part that part of being a healthy disciple is making more disciples, Right, And the same is true as worshipers. We're pursuing being worshipers. We're pursuing and enabling new worshipers. And we're calling those worshipers to make more worshipers. And so it's that mindset of, of multiplication as they pursue Christ, as they strengthen churches, as they build into churches. And, and again, the local church has to be central. It's the body that we have been entrusted with to carry out this mission. So it's not ultimately about one person going and being successful, but about the body of Christ being planted so it can do what we have been called to do. Regarding discipleship, they will equip churches to train faithful men and women who will train others until everyone is mature in Christ. And and in my notes here, I said, basically, we're calling for a ministry where we see them able to say, uh, what Paul says in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, which again is, is central for our conference, it's that Jesus is whom we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Verse 29, Paul says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he would powerfully works within me. And it's this mindset, right? We're, we're being faithful. For we're training faithful men who will train others regarding evangelism. They mobilize churches both near and far to walk in love, doing good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And the idea in that is not only are we sending out missionaries that we want to be proclaiming the gospel, but we want to see them mobilizing others to do the same, mobilizing others to be a blessing to the world and take the gospel with them. And this, this both near and far, let me, let me just comment on that briefly. The concept there in, in missional talk is near and far partners and because there's near and far cultures. So whether, for example, when we were in China, the, the challenge was not just mobilizing other Chinese, but there are near culture partners like in Singapore or Malaysia or other East Asian countries where we could build relationships with people that their culture was not identical, but was near to the host culture. And so near and far is really talking about cultures close to where the missionary is working as well as us. We're the far, right? The U.S. or other farther cultures away from where they're working. So mobilizing churches, both near the field, on the field, and here in the U.S. Regarding unity in the body of Christ, it says, they lead the church to value unity by placing the interests of others before themselves. They raise up churches who value cooperation among believers and neighboring churches on the field in order to fulfill the Great Commission. Again, not only are they not Lone Rangers, but they're building churches that have a philosophy of ministry that says we can do more together than we can on our own. 
And so they're building churches and nurturing churches and other ministries that are looking for ways that they can partner with other Bible-believing people and do greater things than they can do on their own. So again, basically the same perspective of ministry that we would have here. So, okay, Nate and Lauren, can you give me your feedback on these expectations for the ministry of our missionary partners or the overall philosophy of ministry? In what ways would it help you to have a supporting church that's clear about these type of expectations? And are there any areas that you want to point out or any other comments you might have? Again, um, just emphasizing the expectations Mm. in this case. And I think it's fair for me to say that um, in every sense, maybe we don't agree or see mission success the same way with all of our partner churches. Mm. And, you know, even when these things kind of came across our path, there were thoughts going, man, how are some of our partner churches going to respond when I have to tell them I'm no longer doing a whole lot of street evangelism right now because I'm just doing counseling with a whole bunch of grieving people that just lost their pastor to sin. Mm. And, you know, to have the explicit uh, encouragement that, uh, well, I guess for one, it's acknowledging that... uh, the Lord always accomplishes his purposes and uh, we plan our course yet the Lord directs our steps. And Mm -hmm. while we presented to all of these churches and a lot of them came on board with a vision we presented of what we had wanted to do Mm -hmm. in South Africa, the Lord had other plans and having a mutual understanding that it's okay that maybe we're not establishing But maybe right now we're strengthening churches and that's the Lord's ministry for us right now. That we're not out there getting as many opportunities as we had before we had to Mm. lead this church and work really mostly within the fold of the church Mm. rather than outside. Right now this is what the Lord's given us and we have to just be faithful to this. Mm. Are all of our church partners okay that right now we're fully convinced this is what we have to do to be faithful to the Lord? Mm. And if they need to withdraw their support from us because we're not doing what we said we'd be doing, so be it. But having expectation, yeah. at least we know those, right. those that are going to find out mm. in, in what direction they may go. But mm. that's the encouragement here, that we're on the same mission. Mm. If, 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 all, if the purpose for all of our members is to be healthy, growing, uh, Christ-loving, mm. overflowing, and all that, it's all the same mission. What, what is the goal of evangelism but that? What's the goal of discipleship but that? What's the mm. goal of missions but that? Right. What's the goal of the church but to be worshiping Christ and and growing in maturity to Christ, just like Paul commands. All of this stuff is just to see brothers and sisters, the body of Christ, maturing in Christ Mm. until the Lord comes back. We understand, and if the church adopts this and and, agrees, Mm. that that we all have a part in that, and we're all a part of the exact same mission. We just do it over here while it happens right here, but we, we all need the same care and shepherding. We just have different roles because we're different body parts. That's right. And so praise the Lord that we all understand that. Amen. And it's okay that, you know, 50 people didn't get saved this week. Amen. As far as we know. As far as we know. Yeah. The Lord could have done that. That's right. God only knows. But, but yeah, I sat down and had like two hour, you know, five, two hour discipleship sessions. Is that just as worthy of the glory of God as street evangelism where, you know, 50 people come to Christ. All right, can we accept that? Do you, mm-hmm. you want to say something here? Well, we, we don't really work closely with, but there's other missionaries in South Africa that are with ABWE that mm. we meet together with mm. four times a year or so. They mm. actually live like two minutes from us also, <laughs> but their ministry looks very different than what ours is. Their mm. stats that they would post on the our uh, quarterly reports, reports would be like 50 people saved, 15 baptisms, and then it's our turn and we go, we're not sure. There was one baptism, but we're not sure if this person really is saved yet while we're still working with them. So yeah. being careful to not compare other mm. missionaries and really knowing their ministry, because while those missionaries are working with younger children and them coming 
a lot because they're getting fed. Yeah. Their ministry looks very different than us working with young believers right. who are hungry for the word and want to be fed and yeah. want to mature in their faith with Christ. Yeah. And that that's what's lovely here is that the expectation, which God doesn't even give us, Christ doesn't even give us in yeah. the Great Commission, is not for conversions. That's right. It's disciples. That's right. And spending a whole week in discipling, even though maybe, yeah, you know, we're, we're not out in the community or on the streets. I can accept that that's what the Lord is, expects out of me. That's right. You know, do all of our churches also expect the same mm. thing? And, and this is faithful mission work still. Yeah. That we're just pursuing missions. And right now, yeah, I don't know where they are. Maybe I've shared the gospel with them 30 times, but I'm still not seeing a healthy, growing member of the church right now. Right. So I'm not reporting that. Right. Amen. Yeah, and and we're about done. But let me just say, I, in in echoing that, the most depressing time of our missionary careers happened when we had annual meetings with other missionaries in East Asia, because they have people get up and give their testimonies, and that's what it's like. Yeah, I went into this village and I said Jesus, and three thousand people came to Christ, and you're like, why am I on the mission field? Yeah, you know, so I appreciate you bringing that up as well, that that it is an awareness that the goal, uh, just like we would even say about our leadership here, the goal is not that we're looking to check boxes, but we're looking for character, right? We're nurturing character in our people. We're calling our leaders to have the right character. We're calling our missionaries to have the right character. We want our ministry to have the right character, the results is not really in our department, right? It's the faithfulness that we're called to do. Um, okay, quickly, I have here that I was going to read Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 15 to you in closing. So I'm, I'm going to give it to you quickly. So I'm not waiting for you to turn there is what I'm saying. Okay, it says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God's able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And specifically, this is talking about financial giving and to the church. And, but let me just frame it quickly this way. We're calling you as a church to live sacrificially in obedience to God's word and to give of your time, your life, your love, your money to support the cause of missions. And, and we want to have partners that see us, just like Paul talks about his partnership in Philippians. But I also want to help you recognize that if you are willing to live sacrificially and to give sacrificially and to support missions sacrificially, not only are you blessing the missionaries, right? It, it is a blessing for the bells if you will do these things and for us to partner with them. But it's multiplying thanksgiving to God and all of the ministry that they have and the people that they're sharing with and they're discipling and they're working with and the generations that come behind those people we can be a part of that multiplying thanksgiving to God by our willingness to be sacrificial in how we live and love and give now and at some point in eternity you will be able to see the fruitfulness of how you have invested your life in supporting our missionaries and then it will be far better far 
more better. I don't think that's good grammar. But it, it will really be great to compare the fruitfulness of what you've invested in God's kingdom compared to all the things that compete for your time and energy now. Okay, Sunday, 9 o'clock, E100. More, more things that you will want to hear. Let me pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you have sent the missionary gospel to each of us in one way or another. That through the years and the decades and the lives and the blood and the sweat and the tears that have brought the gospel to us and to our families. Father, help us be faithful to carry the baton and to pass it on as it is our turn to run this race for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.